Hey guys, Jody Holland here with Megan Slaughter. And we're going to be talking about ethical approaches to business today. And I'm one of the authors that I've always liked, a guy named John Maxwell. He's written a bunch of books, but one of the books that he wrote was There's No Such Thing as Business Ethics. The first time I read the title, I thought, what do you mean there's no such thing as business ethics? There, there's got to be business ethics. But when you read the book, he describes it pretty clearly. There is ethics. Whether you're at work or outside of work, it's still just ethics. So there isn't any such thing as business ethics. It's just ethics. And so I thought that was kind of a cool concept is that you're either ethical or, or you are not. So first question for you, Meg, is... Do you think that there is any business out there that would potentially brag about an utter lack of ethics in the way that they do business? Well, I wouldn't say they would openly brag about that, but I do think there might be some underlying unethicalness in certain companies because they're just trying to get to the bottom line. They're trying to meet the ends without caring about the means. And that's a dangerous, slippery slope to get on. But the important thing is that you understand ethics translate to all areas of your life. Mm -hmm. So you want to be ethical at home, you want to be ethical at work, and you want your people to know the ethics that you want to be um, seen within your company. Yeah. So the three different approaches that we talk about when we train companies, the first is, first is ethical absolutism. That's kind of hard to get all out in uh, one mouthful <laughs> there. So when you think about absolutism, this is the idea that there is a, an unchanging moral code that applies to everyone everywhere, which would mean no matter what culture you're from, no matter what part of the world you're from, no matter your upbringing, there is an absolute set of standards that everyone is supposed to live by. And I, I think there's some basics that most people agree on. But I do think that there's a lot of variance from one culture to another, one part of the world to another, even one part of the United States to another might see the world differently. So I'm not sure that you could say there's any real absolutes. What do you think? I would agree with that. I, I think there are a few basic absolutes, like it's wrong to kill somebody. I think that's pretty understood in most cultures and um, places of the world. So what's funny, at least about, I would hope so. What's funny about that is that's actually, if you think about what we do in our leadership classes, when we're talking about ethics, values, and culture, I ask the question, is it wrong to kill? And that should be a very easy, yes, that is wrong. And that's the answer we always get is, uh, yeah, absolutely. That's an absolute. And then you say, well, what if somebody's trying to kill you? What if it's in self-defense? Self and then people are like, right. well, I mean, it's still wrong, but I do it. And then I go, well, what if they're trying to kill your family? And then a lot of people are like, I do it without any hesitation. And so it's really difficult to say any absolute. And so I love that you use that as the first example that we would think it's wrong to kill. And if, if you think about some of the early translations out of Greek and, and Hebrew, where even in the Ten Commandments from a Christian religion standpoint, where they say, thou shalt not kill, the original Hebrew word wasn't kill. There was two words for taking a life. One was to justifiably defend yourself in injuring or killing another person. The other one was to murder, which is to kill without justification. And so 
what's interesting to me is in the original Ten Commandments, it was thou shalt not murder. So you shall not kill without justification. So I think you could say, arguably, that would be an absolute, that it's absolutely wrong to unjustifiably kill another person. You know, that's a great point. And that also brings in some other gray areas, because while you might not see it as okay to kill another human, you might think it's okay to kill an animal. And then on the flip side of that, you might not see it as okay to kill a pet. So there's all these levels of differentiation, which kind of leads into one of the other ethical approaches, which is ethical relativism, which is basically where ethics just depend on the situation and are thus subject to change. So it accounts for all of these gray areas, the what ifs and anything that might arise that makes you question, is that ethical? It could be, it might not be. So let's take one that's a little less intense. Is it wrong to lie? Would you say, yes, it's wrong to lie? In most situations, I would say yes. (laughs) But then there's always that little white lie that might not hurt somebody. You're just trying to protect them from the truth, or maybe you don't see it as their business. (laughs) So let's say, for example, I've been married for a really long time, and I'd like to keep it that way. (laughs) And my spouse comes in and says do I look fat in this? And let's, let's say, now this would never be true because I know she listens to this, but I I would (laughs) go, no matter what I would go, no, you look beautiful. No matter what. And so the question, like the little white lie that you're talking about a lot of times is, well, even if I do think that it doesn't make her look very good, she looks good to me. So it's kind of a lie and kind of not a lie because I do think she's beautiful at all times. But the relative part, that's the slippery slope you were talking about earlier that, man, it could go in any direction. If you if you really start thinking about how people make those judgments, I think that's why ethical legalism is in there. So we don't know what's always relative. So ethical legalism says that ethics are based on compliance with the code of conduct. We have codes of conduct at work. We have codes of conduct in how we operate a motor vehicle, when we can operate a motor vehicle. We have codes of conduct for taxes and basically everything. And we keep trying to regulate good ethics. And that's the part I think that is really tough is that you're trying to say you have to follow this, these standards in order to be an ethical person, which means this, this, and this. And so we describe, create a legal code or a code of conduct for people to follow. I think there's a lot of value in that. Like I want laws for how we drive our cars. I (laughs) I have been to a number of other countries and their laws are really kind of more just loose suggestions on how not to kill people. Like driving in Panama, for example, you come up to an intersection, there's no yield, there's no stop, any direction. You look all around, honk, 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 and go, and really hope for the best. And when we were renting our car, the guy that I was with, he's like, ah, we don't need the insurance. And the guy says, insurance required. And I started thinking, like, you know, we've never driven here. We should get the insurance. Yeah, go and put all of the insurance on there, (laughs) which I'm glad we did because we only got hit a couple of times. Um, (laughs) And it's like people backing into you to back out of a parking space, and you're just like, Oh, good Lord, that was bad driving. 
Oh, goodness. But I think that's an important point that you bring up, too, is that this code of conduct is not meant to restrict people. It's supposed to help guide them in making better decisions that will benefit society. Yes. Like, how many rules would you follow if you didn't have to follow the rules? Right. I, I don't know Where the answer to Where do the boundaries lie? Like, speeding, for example. Is it wrong to speed? Well... Ethical legalism would say, yes, if the posted speed limit is 55 miles per hour, 56 is unethical behavior because it's breaking the code of conduct. But a lot of people go, well, 55 is the speed limit, then I'll drive 59. So I'll only be a little bit illegal or unethical in this situation. So I think going back to the Maxwell, John Maxwell reference, a little bit illegal is still illegal. It, right. Like that's a, well, I almost stopped at the stop sign. That's still not a stop. <laughs> it's an almost stop. Yes. So I think these three frameworks, they kind of work together. If you think of them in absolutism, then relativism, relativism, then legalism, we try for an absolute. We want things to be unchanging. We want them to be absolute the best that we can. We realize very quickly in our lives that, we don't really have a lot of absolutes. You have absolutes within your cultural context or within your upbringing where you might say, for me, this is an absolute, but maybe not for everybody. So you can have your, your internal absolutes that you stick with. Second thing is we then look at the situation and we go, well, a lot of this is relative. And we start to try to make our own judgments and our own evaluations, which pushes us into this place of saying, you know what, we need some rules around here. If we don't have the rules, we're not going to know what we ought to stick with and what we ought to avoid. That's where I think the legalism comes in, is it, it gives us the, the context for making a decision about what is and is not okay. I would agree. And just to reiterate one of our points from the beginning, being ethical is not just a switch that you flip on and off. You either are ethical or you are not ethical. And that is both in your personal life and in your business life. And ideally, you want to be ethical. You yes. want people to see you as someone that they would be willing to follow. You want to lead by example and demonstrate what ethical behavior really is. Yes. And when you do that, people trust you. But how many times of being unethical does it take before people don't trust you very quickly what's that quote um trust, you gain trust in yeah, droplets and you lose it in buckets buckets so trust is earned in drops and lost in buckets and so that's why it's like it takes a thousand good acts to be seen as truly ethical it takes one bad act to be seen as unethical that's why i think it's so important to have a moral framework for how you live your life or an ethical framework for how you live your life. Because within a role that you play, there are normative standards of behavioral expectation. And the higher up you move in an organization, the more intensely you will be evaluated by the people who are watching. So that means that your ethics have to be as absolute as possible as you move up higher and higher and higher. And I think, unfortunately, we've seen so many people just get away with bad stuff that we think, well, you make more money if you're unethical. And I think a lot, a lot of young people see that 
But the reality is, and there's been some interesting research out of MIT on this, a company that has a very, very strict of set of ethical standards, they will always make more long-term money. You may make more quote unquote short-term money if you try some unethical stuff, but you almost always get caught. So, right. And you lose your credibility. People won't want to work with you anymore after that. And I don't think anybody wakes up in the morning and says, man, I want to lose all of my credibility. I want to look incompetent. No. There's always an underlying factor that led them to that point. So you have to watch yourself and check in with those values that you have along the way to make sure that you're not going to fall down that slippery slope. Yeah. And I'll give you a quick example. Like when I first went into business, I've been in business since 1999 and I, I went to a lot of corporate events. There's a lot of banquets. There's a lot of wine and beer and hard liquor and stuff at those banquets so I think about after the second banquet, I said, I'm going to create a framework for how I operate at any of these events. And I created a two drink maximum. There's one thing I never wanted to do is I never wanted to drink and drive and take somebody's life. I never wanted to drink and drive and disappoint my family. So I just knew that as a roughly 200 pound guy, two drinks over two hours, I'm good. No more drinks after two, no matter how many hours I'm there. And so I would switch from, you know, like a, a rum and Coke to a Coke with a lime on the side. So I didn't get any grief from people, but I lived in my framework, my ethical legalism for my own life to say, your rule is X. I love rules. Rules make everything make sense. I would completely agree with that. And I, I think you need rules for marriage. I think you need rules for business. I think you need rules for friendship. And when you lay all the rules out, we know how to operate within that, that setting. And we don't have to guess as to what's right and what's wrong because everybody agrees on the rules up front. And the more you follow them, the easier they become. A piece of advice that you actually gave to me when I was going through college was to get up and create a routine, work like it's an eight to five on your schoolwork, show up to class, do your homework, fulfill your assignments, and then when you get out of college, it will be so much easier to start working full time because you already have that system in place inside of your mind. You know you have to get up and do your work. And then when a certain time hits, you can go do um, spend whatever free time you have, however you want to. Yeah, because you've got your work done. And college is easy if you work eight to five. Like you really don't have to stay up late and cram for tests and all that kind of stuff. And that was something I learned my freshman year in college way back in the olden days is that you get an assignment, go to the library, do the assignment, turn the assignment in, move to the next thing. It's like I was turning in research papers in a 16 week semester, 14 weeks early because <laughs> I was done and I didn't need to do any more on it. And so I could turn it in. Now, the professors didn't like that. So, we have to grade this now. And if you make a good grade, you might not show up to class anymore. I'm like the work's done. If I finish the work, let's grade the work. And I said, or just hold it till the end. And they go, you don't want to change yeah. it anymore. I'm like, no, I finished it. I followed a framework. I did what I was supposed to. I turned it in. But in business and in any aspect of our life, understanding that you've got to create your own structure or rules for things that gives you the legalistic side of things. You've got to be very careful 
making things too relative. And you've got to be careful assuming that other people will have the same absolutes as you. Because we did not grow up in the same houses with the same ideas. And even if we did, we interpreted them very differently. So that's what I want to leave you guys with is if you want to build the right ethics, look at the absolutist, the relativist, and the legalist points of view, and then create the rules that make everything work the way that it's supposed to work. Any final thoughts? I think you about covered it. So just remember, ethics apply to all areas of your life. There is no such thing as business ethics, just ethics. Thank you guys for tuning in. I'm Megan Slaughter here with Jody Holland. And we'll see you guys on the next episode. Have a good one.